Warning, Star Trek from the holodeck contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Walk it alone! Fire! Holodeck 3 program is reinstated. Open sesame! Commander Klingon vessel. We are energizing transport of him. Now. Hello, welcome everyone to Star Trek from the Holodeck. I am Michael Flores, the captain of the USS Rain Man Digital. And in the studio with me today, and on the bridge, is my science officer, Lieutenant David. Yay, I've been promoted. Yes, you're no longer an ensign. Uh, just make sure you continue to clean up the holodeck after me. <laughs> after you. And you keep it a secret. Wink, wink, what you see. And well, you'll you'll continue to climb that ladder of success. At least you're letting me use gloves this time. Yeah. You're like Nog. Not Nog. Who's the <laughs> Nog's dad? Nog's dad. Um, I Quark? Forgot. No, Quark is the uncle. I've forgotten Rom. Rom, that's right. That's who you are. You're like Rom, David. <laughs> All right, so Dave, we are going to be going through a lot of Star Trek news today, a lot of things to talk about. Surprising, you know, with two Star Trek news shows back-to-back over the last month, the fact that we could fill another hour of Star Trek talk with news and rumors is amazing, and it should signal that we are indeed in a great time when it comes to being Star Trek fans. How can you not be happy having this amount of news coming out your ass, essentially? Every day, something new pops on my feed about Star Trek, and I can't say the same thing three years ago. Three years ago, it was dead. There was nothing going on in the world of Star Trek, so I'm happy. Now, just the other day, there was an interview, a quick interview moment that composer Jeff Russo had, and he says that fans... Are you ready for this, Dave? Okay. Fans would lose their minds over Noah Hawley's Star Trek movie. A movie that we're apparently not going to get. So a Tarantino movie that would have blown us away. A Noah Hawley film that we would lose our minds over. Now lose our minds over in a bad way? No, in 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 a good way. So according to this article here taken from trekmovie.com, a year ago, the active Star Trek film in development at Paramount was a new concept from writer-director Noah Halley. A script had been written, and the film was in the early stages of pre-production. Star Trek Discovery and Picard composer Jeff Russo was also on board as he is a longtime collaborator of Holly's and has worked on many of his previous projects, including his Emmy-nominated and winning scores for Fargo. But last June, the Holly Star Trek project was put on pause by Paramount's new head of motion pictures. And earlier this month, Paramount staked out June 2023 as the release date for their next Star Trek film, although no details on the top-secret project from producer J.J. Abrams have been revealed. But over the last year, Halley has revealed a few bits about a Star Trek project, but it mostly remains a mystery. Okay, so they ask 
Jeff Russo. So you read Noah's script and you saw storyboards and that kind of thing. And Jeff says, I hadn't seen any storyboards yet, but I did read the script and I had already started talking about what music was going to be. Uh, We talked pretty in depth. We always do that before a project. That's kind of a cool, that's, that's a cool way of actually a creative team coming together is number one through the music and number one through the script. Yeah. I mean, like the fact that you had Jeff Russo and Noah Hawley kind of like being allowed to work together that closely where Noah can actually give Jeff, Hey, this is the script I'm going to work on. And Noah automatically and Jeff as the composer can automatically be thinking, okay, yeah, I got, I'm not going to phone this in and try to just copy and paste anything Star Trek related into, into the score. I'm going to try to follow Noah's script. And I think that that's a really cool thing. I've never heard of that being done before where you have two creative people uh, from like, I guess two different departments in a way working that way. It's always been kind of like, for me, I've always thought the scriptwriter's writer is onto himself, except if he's working with the director or the cinematographer, but never the music composer. Yeah. I mean, it would make sense, right? If you're trying to help the composer do a great job, I would think that he would receive that script, you know, right away. Yeah. He understands what uh, he's working with and, and the way of tone and, of course, you know, the voice. So this interview, Dave, it continues. and the interviewer asks, so did you like the script? And he says, yes, it's great. It's interesting. I know as a writer is extremely visual. So whenever I read one of his scripts, it's always extremely inspiring to me. He says from a story perspective, let me backtrack. Uh, The interviewer now says you are a real Star Trek fan. You have said you were excited about the project uh, he has described it as something different. It wasn't going to be another Kelvin movie, but his own thing. And See, that's a- interesting. Finding out that at least confirm confirmation that it wasn't going to be a Kelvin movie. Yeah. Honestly, Dave, I think that might have been a mistake. In my own humble opinion, like we need to continue the Kelvin timeline. If you were to just say, hey, here's a new Star Trek movie. And you you then present it to the audience without any explanation that we are now back to the prime. Back to the prime. It would just feel very weird, and we wouldn't quite know where we're at. Even the mainstream, the mainstream understands the Kelvin movies. Now, so, unless you're doing now, unless you're doing uh, entirely different characters, like totally original characters, Dave. I yes, I, I could say that, but you still have the issue of the universe. The universe is a big part of Star Trek, and if we're not in the same universe, we would need to know somehow. Because this isn't just a TV thing. This isn't this isn't just a nerd thing that we would know. You know, this is, hey, the last three major Star Trek box office releases were in this timeline, timeline. that you explained was separate. So where does this movie lie? It would probably confuse people who had seen the other movies. Because you got to remember, Dave, not everyone watches the TV shows. There are people who just enjoy movies. No, that's uh, that is a good valid point there. So. I'm not saying I'm right, but I know uh, me for one, I would, I for one would definitely be stuck on that the entire time. Like where, where are we? Where are we? What What location is this? Yeah. So the interviewer says, and it sounded like it was going to be a smaller movie. And so not trying to be a big action Marvel type movie, 
Uh, so how do you think Star Trek fans would have reacted to this? Is it really that different or just a little different? And uh, Russo says, from a story perspective, no. From a story perspective, I would say it was not at all that different. I mean, it was different in its voice because Noah has a voice, his writing voice. So in that way, it may have had a different feel, but it was very much a Star Trek story. And it was very interesting. It was a very interesting way to tell that Star Trek story, which is what made me so excited about it and had me inspired to write music already for it. The way he explained it to me made me feel like the fans are going to lose their mind. It literally felt like that to me. Lose their mind. I read the script and my call to him was the fans are going to lose their mind because of what, because of just what the story was. And he does say, I would say in a good way, because it would have been telling a story that they hadn't heard that hadn't been done in a way that would have been very fulfilling. Dude, I want to fucking see it now. I want to see the script and it, I'd be very shocked in this day and age, even though the, the, the projects on ice right now, you'd have to think maybe give it a year and that script has to leak. It has to leak out sometime because that's just how the industry is. Even though a, a, a project might be shelved, I would so much want to see this this particular script leaked out because like it's not a for sure thing now that Noah Noah Hawley's project's ever going to be uh, be put into production because with everything that is that's happened the last 2 years I mean we've been talking about the Tarantino film for like what 5 years now and, I think so yeah and it's right now in limbo and by all by all accounts Tarantino has moved on so that's been permanently shelved and now we got Noah's project and Noah's project was just announced to be put on the shelf just because of the pandemic which is understandable but if it stays on the shelf just as long as the Tarantino flick i think that they're, you're going to lose momentum Longer that this project stays on the shelf. Now you are right, or it looks like you could be right about this movie possibly working no matter where it's at, whether it be the Kelvin timeline or regular or the prime universe, because Russo says it stands totally on its own. It's one of those stories where, yeah, it can drop right in the middle of the whole thing it could work if they just made one and never go back to it, and it would be totally fine. It can be just like a story in the middle of wherever. Can you uh, th- that that makes me wonder. That makes me wonder if Noah Hawley just made a a Star Trek movie that has no ties to the Federation, and well, it, it's not Star Trek. Then if it's not Federation or Starfleet, you think? Yeah, Dave, you got it. Look what they did. Did that with Picard. And how well did that go over with a lot of Star Trek fans? That is true. It's not that really even Star Trek. But I mean, if you did say a a movie, I know it's been a joke of Tarantino's doing an entire movie uh, of Klingons, but you gotta say if that was if they did a Star Trek movie based around 
one of the other alien races that okay, are very I, famous. I think you're probably on the same wavelength as Hallie because yet again, David, in this interview, he says what makes this movie so unique, Russo, the composer, what made this movie so unique when he read the script was the voice. The voice of the film made it different, meaning the perspective, essentially. It made it different because of the telling of the story was through someone with that voice, with which that is voice. what made it so interesting to me. So he's trying to be vague purposely because he probably doesn't want to ruin the yeah. script if this movie ever comes out. If this movie does come But out. it sounds like you may be on the right track. Like, it, sure, it could absolutely deal with a species. And I've said that. I've been an advocate for years, Dave. That's we, been a dream project for a lot of street, uh, Star uh, Star Trek fans. Yeah, we've we've talked about it for a long time. That like, how come we always have to tell a Star Trek story that has to do with just Starfleet? Why Starfleet. can't we do something with a Romulan fleet or a Klingon fleet or the Cardassians? Anything? Like, it would be interesting to see where they go with that. And sure, you can introduce like. Uh, you know, an ally that's Federation, so you can kind of keep Starfleet close by, and you can introduce those elements that make the Star Trek fan comfortable. Yeah. So, <laughs> what if we did have a story that took place mostly or predominantly within Klingon space? You're absolutely right. That could be interesting. Again, if you stick to the themes and and motifs of Star Trek, then anything could work, essentially, I suppose. I feel like the reason why Picard didn't work, and I don't want to get too negative, is because it didn't really have the things, the elements, those those themes and motifs that make Star Trek Star Trek. Because, yeah, you could probably throw Picard in the middle of a jungle on another planet and never even go into space, and if you have the right writer, it would feel 100% like Star Trek. So I guess it just comes down to the writing more than yeah. anything. And that's, that's the shame of it all because we know that Noah, Noah Hawley is a very good writer and the ability to get that talent in there for Star Trek would be an absolute win because unlike, you know, unlike Picard where you, they you came in and they brought in someone who basically was touted as a great writer, right? In Michael Shaban. The problem with Shaban was he do, he did not have any talent talent <laughs> for script writing. He didn't have the talent to actually write for television and for film. Noah Hawley does. He does have the talent for it. That's the type of talent that they have to bring in if they want to infuse, you know, some quote unquote new blood into the franchise. And it's a shame, really, that basically the the project of Tarantino's had me really psyched because I knew Tarantino was going to do something unique. And me and you have been gone back and forth about this, about how Star Trek needs that type of energy reinfused into the franchise because people need to get excited again for Star Trek. Noah Hawley approached his script the same way, trying to actually do something different. And it, it, it's really, it's really frustrating knowing that basically they froze a lot of these projects and just shelved them for now for some apparent reason. Yeah. I mean, it's to be expected with the changing of hands of power yeah. and the way of the merger. So I understand these things happen, you know, projects that were greenlit get 
shelved. New projects come forward. So it is frustrating. I would love to honestly, the only movie that didn't sound interesting to me was the one that was going to be placed in front of the Tarantino movie. Cause I don't know the director. Remember it was, I forget her name. It was some, yeah, it was the it was uh, a lady director. And that was, that was the headline that so-and-so is directing the movie, the next Star Trek movie. And she's going to be, Oh, and the director's going to be a woman. That was the headline. Yeah. Cause I believed that she was a director from uh discovery. No, that's Wasn't she? That, that was the other movie. There was there was some rando movie being directed by a woman director. Then the Tarantino movie was supposed to come out a year after that. And that's before anything else was announced. Those were the only two movies. The oh, one with yeah. the writer from Discovery was one of the films that were recently announced as of the last two months. So, Dave, I have a feeling the more news that comes out and circles the the Internet when it comes to strange new worlds, I'm starting to think more and more that this might be the series that all the Star Trek fans rally behind because everything that they announce that's pertaining to this series is actually very intriguing and interesting. Um, Star Trek strange new worlds star Anson Mount on episodic storytelling. He says the big idea of the week needs room to breathe. Now, that's something that we've been hearing since the announcement of Strange New Worlds, when they said, hey, it's going to be less serialized, but it's going to be more episodic. And he said, Akiva Goldman, I believe, is the gentleman who said this. He had mentioned that Strange New Worlds is going to focus on being episodic, but it's not going to forget its character serialized nature. So it's going to be a lot more like Deep Space Nine. You're going to have those episodic episodes, but our characters are going to still have character arcs that start with episode one and end at episode 13. And Akiva Goldsman specifically mentioned the episode where Kirk uh, lost the love of his life. Um, The city on the edge of forever. Yes. Yeah. He mentioned that episode specifically. And he says that episode is one of the most heartfelt, sad, depressing, wonderfully written episodes of all time. But then next week episode, next week's episode comes out and James T. Kirk was fine. <laughs> he says there's no emotional continuity with those older episodic truck films. And He's all we want to keep emotional continuity. And I said, there you go, buddy. That's exactly what we need. Give us those episodic vibes, those episodic writing, but keep our character emotion continuity intact. And I will be 100% happy with that. Yeah, it's, it it is one of those things that I do agree with Akiva Goldsman about, uh, about emotional continuity. It is really important because I, I do remember that when sitting on the edge of forever, especially since I've been doing my rewatch of, the original series after the city of edge of forever, you get this stand, this standalone episode and Kirk is just fine. (laughs) It's almost like, Oh, he's already hitting on like the, the the nurse and everything. I'm like, like, well, at least, at least he seems to have moved on. (laughs) And that's of course, you know, that was the writing style at the time. At the time. And, And it's changed drastically. Even with next generation, there was continuity. Um, it didn't really start. No, I'd say it was there. Look at Data's relationship with Tasha Yar that started in season one. And even though she died, he maintained this connection. This he maintained the connection. Yeah. And this, uh, she continued to play a part in Data's, you know, development as a character. So there was that emotional continuity there. And that's what helped Next Generation feel more uh, innovative, 
as yeah. a TV show at that time. You got to remember that came out in 1986. So and they, I think I think if Strange New Worlds takes the lead from that, I mean, if you follow well, better like, yet, take a little bit of Deep Space Nine, take a little bit yeah, of TNG, a little that bit of Voyager. Era. Voyager did great with those uh, emotional continuity moments and enterprise did a pretty damn good job with that as well oh, so yeah. if they're following the the greats you know specifically deep space nines style then please give us those episodes akiva goldsman i'm super stoked so yes i'm soaked yes i am <laughs> wet but i'm also stoked dave so Anson Mount says, I think that Star Trek is by nature episodic. I don't know if I agree with that, but I can understand his thought on that. Uh, Mount said, echoing comments made last year by Strange New World's executive producer, Akiva Goldsman and Alex Kurtzman. Mount went on to suggest that the franchise wasn't limited to that format, adding Star Trek can be a lot of things, as we've seen in every iteration of it. Uh, okay. OK, I agree with that. Yeah. But classic Trek is really founded on the big idea of the week. And the big idea of the week needs room to breathe. Part of that room to breathe could mean not letting the show get too tied up in serialized structure. But that doesn't mean that Strange New Worlds won't have a cohesive storyline. There we go. I like what I'm hearing. Yeah. See, when I hear news about Picard season two, I cringe and I'm not quite sure. <laughs> You're not sure. With Strange New Worlds news, I'm like, yeah, that's good. I feel like the people and I'm, maybe I'm speaking way too early on this, but I feel like the people involved in this one specifically. They like Anson Mount, we know for one is a huge Star Trek fan. Yes, that is huge. In the way of how you're going to go about your show. Because an actor like Anson Mount isn't going to sit idly by as you're sending him shitty Trek scripts that don't feel authentic or sincere to Star Trek. And dude, it's it's really you got to be interesting when Strange New Worlds comes comes out. Because, I mean, this new era of Star Trek, obviously the headline, the flagship is Discovery. It has been Discovery for a very long time, for at least the last four seasons. And with Strange New Worlds, do you think that Strange New Worlds is going to take over as the flagship? Because the people behind Strange New Worlds, more fans are more comfortable with that. More fans are comfortable with Anson Mount and Ethan Peck and and all of them. And they say, okay, you take us into the new era of Star Trek. Meanwhile, they're looking at like the guys from Discovery going, we're not still sure about you, even yeah. though it's been like three, three to four uh-huh. seasons now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think you might be right. Discovery allegedly only has two more years. There has been a rumor that's been circulating for quite some time now that Kurtzman plans to end it at five. That he always has. Personally, I feel like that would be shitty on his part. Especially since Discovery is finally getting its legs. Yeah. Uh, Let them breathe a bit. Speaking of breathing, let the show continue to get used to itself. Make those adjustments. And based on season four. I I, let's let's see if season four does well, you know, from a story perspective. And depending on where we're at by the end, then. Yeah, I would probably, I can't definitively say, but as of right now, I would like to see several more years of Discovery to see where it ends up. Oh, absolutely. 
But if they end up going to, you know, in line with the alleged rumors I've heard, then or the rumors that allegedly say it was going to be ending at five, then I can definitely see strange new things squeezing in and becoming the. The flagship, flagship. yeah, the flagship of Star Trek. So Mount continues to say that there will be emotional serialization. There will be two parters. Oh, bring back. Roddenberry's wife's voice, please. Oh, they have to. And now the continuation. And now the conclusion. That's what she said. Yes. Uh, There will be larger plot arcs. But it really is back to the model of Alien of the Week. Oh, I'm so fucking excited for this. <laughs> See what I mean? I mean, this is the series that all of, uh, all Star Trek fans are more or less excited about. I, dude, I'm really, really pumped for this series. Yeah. And it's making me scared because I don't want to be. <laughs> I, I don't want to be let down, David. Please don't do this to me. Star Trek gods have some mercy on a fan's soul. Yes. But here's the thing. I'm really excited about this and I have faith in 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 the in the creative crew that they got behind Strange New Worlds. You know, they have a fantastic cast already lined up. We already get a, we get we already get this idea that this is going to be telling the untold tales of the Enterprise pre-Kirk. Who would have thought we needed this? I mean, someone told me this five years ago. I'd be like, nah. Oh, yeah. Remember it a long time ago. And a lot, a lot of the shows that we covered, me and you were totally against them constantly going back to the well and doing prequels. We need to move forward. We need to move forward with the timeline. I think that today, just with how the franchise needs, needs a pick-me-up, I think Strange New Worlds is it. You know, Discovery, I thought last season was going to be that pick me up. I thought I honestly felt, all right, Discovery season three, going to be coming in and it's going to like just be gangbusters. And it was a good, it was a good season. It was a good season, but it wasn't like, oh my God, was that awesome season. It wasn't the gangbuster season I was expecting, especially for Star Trek fans everywhere. Strange Worlds. The more I see the news and then I, the more I see actually people talking about it, especially in the forums and in the comment sections and everything about it, no one's saying bad things about Strange New Worlds. Instead, you're seeing a lot of Star Trek fans saying, oh, I'm so glad we're getting Anson Mount as a captain. We're getting Captain Pike back. We're getting Spock. We're going to get to see if Ethan Peck can carry on, carry on the legacy of Spock. All those things, a lot of people are actually being relatively positive about the the series. And that's actually a good sign because think about it. Last couple of times that me and you have talked about where they're, where Star Trek fans heads are right now. Everyone hates on Picard. <laughs> even, even with, even with the tantalization of Q coming back, people still are hesitant about it. Discovery, people were still, even though me and you agreed that season three of Discovery was good, people are were still hesitant about it to the end. Strange New, strange new Worlds, there's nothing but, but positive things being said about it. So, and it would make sense, just like what you said, if Goldsman's plan is 
Discovery only has two more seasons. He needs that next big show to take its place. Strange New World seems to be the one. Yeah. I don't think it's Picard. No. Well, also, I think they're done after season two. I think that was the plan from the beginning. Two seasons. And one season. <laughs> That's all, all right, David. Like, yeah. So moving on past those negativities. Yes. Michelle Yeoh says Star Trek producers have more in store for Emperor Giorgio. I'm concerned by the headline. Okay. Isn't that a no brainer? Don't we already know that because of the TV series coming? Because I read through this interview and I'm going to spare people all the, the unnecessary Oof. reading. Um, but the entire thing feels like am, very ambiguous when they're talking about her character and what the future is. And I don't know if there's a language barrier there and maybe she's trying to be coy, you know, be mysterious. But it sounds like there's no plans for a Section 31 show. In fact, it's not even mentioned in their interview. And see, I'm, I'm wondering. I'm a little concerned about that. Yeah, because there's no like, oh, yeah, you know, the plan is for me to come back in my own show. She doesn't even say that. She says, you know, this is Star Trek and people always come back. And she talks about, you know, going through the portal and. You know, going through the second time. That makes me, I agree with you. That makes me a little concerned because like now that I think about it. Okay. So that she says you have another journey to undertake and it's so obvious you have more things to do and it's not going to be a smooth ride. It'll be bumpy. It will be full of heartaches. It will be full of pain. But I think it's true. That is life. So I think there's so much more possibilities for Jojo. And I know my executive producers and showrunners and writers have a lot more things in store for such an amazing character. No, not. I can't wait to share with you guys the section 31 series and what the producers have in store. It's there's no context. So it leaves me thinking this because she was so ambiguous that she's not even sure her show's going to happen any longer. That's that's troubling, especially if it's the, I mean, Michelle Yeoh is the big draw to that series. She really is outside of Pike and Spock. Giorgio is my favorite thing to come out of Discovery. Yeah, I, <laughs> yes. There isn't anything that comes close. It was Saru for a while, but after they decided <laughs> to, you know, kick him while he was down yeah. last season and, and just turned him into a, just I don't even know who that was last yes. year it yeah. wasn't Saru uh, so after they did that to his character I, I, my favorite character was George O since season one so you got rid of your best character who was so complicated and just something completely different something we've never seen before in Star Trek um, she was a used in such an amazing way for multiple characters she was one of the best characters and writing devices you can use within that writing room so she's gone now and i feel like that's part of the problem with discovery season three was that she wasn't involved with the ending and her story has been such a big part of discovery it felt off it felt off and maybe that's Part of the reasons because she was not involved in that 
you know, finale. So who knows? But it does concern me a little bit because I was looking forward to this show and for there not to be even a single mention of the series makes me think maybe the series might be in limbo. Well, I actually even I I found a uh, an article that actually has a quote. Okay. From uh, um, yeah, from Akiva Goldsman talking about Section Thirty One, and in the in the article that I found, they actually ask, "And is the Section Thirty One spinoff still happening?" Akiva Goldsman, I don't know. I uh. believe so. There was a plan. Picard was, wasn't supposed to be a series. It was just supposed to be a one-off series in a short trek. However, they were going to have a young Picard at the end of the short we were making up. So he's not wait, sure what? if they're... What? Yeah. Wait, hold on. What's this thing about a Picard short? What? Well, apparently... Picard was only supposed to be one season, right? Yes, I heard that. We all knew that. So it sounds like because Picard went into season two, section 31 got shelved. No, but what's this Picard short you're talking about? You said a Picard short. There was supposed to be a Picard short coming right after season one instead of a complete season two. Hmm. Interesting. Well... Maybe they realized they needed to fix some of the damage. <laughs> some of the know? damage. Especially after hearing about some of the rumors that uh, Picard himself, Patrick Stewart, wasn't happy with the reception of the first season. <laughs> but I don't think he's ever done anything with a Rotten Tomato score of 20%. 20%. I think that's, what it, I think that's yes. where it is now on Rotten Tomatoes. I it think, probably I bothers think so. him because he's known as a, you know, this, this, renowned actor you know who does such a great job with everything he does and now he's in a series that's rated really bad so maybe <laughs> maybe it bothers him that his legacy is going to be tarnished at the end of his career you know, and the maybe end of his that's why maybe that's why the they pushed for season two yeah possibly and in doing so if the if that quote's right then and he and Akiva Colesman's not even sure if they're going to do a section 31 series because of Picard season two, then that basically really does put the, the idea of Michelle Yeoh going back to the article we were discussing Michelle Yeoh being in a section 31 series pretty much in the air, which is sad because I agree with you as like me and you were on the same page about wanting to see Georgia in her own series. Because she was that good in Discovery. She was arguably the one character in the series that made us care for Burnham. Because she was part of that whole trifecta of brilliance that me and you have always said that's in Discovery. And the way Michelle Yeoh's character developed within just two seasons was some of the best character development I've seen for a Star Trek show. And then suddenly when we get to season three and you get to the, to the mid season finale, not the finale, the mid season finale and wrap up her series and just shuffle her off into the, the, the time, uh, time nexus where, where Carl sends her. It, 
it's going to be one of those itches that if they don't go back to it, I think it's going to be a big, big letdown yeah. for Star Trek fans. Yeah. All right, Dave, let's go to a quick break. And then when we get back, we have some Picard news to get into for season two. We'll be right back. Black alert. Black alert. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. All right, welcome back, everyone, to Star Trek from the Holodeck. Please be sure to head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Digital, and pledge $5 or more a month, and you will gain access to all types of additional discussions on comic books, rando discussions on Q, the Borg, you name it, we do it. Also, if you want to take advantage of our pre-show option, you can pledge $3 a month and gain access to all of our pre-shows that we do before our regular Star Trek discussions. It helps you and it helps us. It's really the only way we can stay on the air doing these shows each and every single week. Right, David? Oh, yeah. All right, Dave. So the next bit of news here, and I'm losing my voice for some reason, so everyone, (laughs) please bear with me here. Because you're going to lose it even more? Yeah. (laughs) So Star Trek Picard boss reveals one lesson learned for season two. And I suppose this is good news. I do. Okay. Now he says it's more like a movie in that way. It's a little preview. Star Trek Picard season two. um, Let's see. Recently started production for its highly anticipated second season and is looking to rectify some of the things it got wrong in its first run. The follow-up to Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, season one was lackluster. Okay, hold on here. Star Trek Picard boss Akiva Goldsman revealed an important lesson that the production team learned from season one and how it's helped them create the story for new episodes. We figured out the end early. That's the big difference. <laughs> That's the big difference. If you're going to do a, if you're going to do a serialized show you have the whole story you have to have the whole story before you start shooting so that's what he's doing and i i david and i'm happy that they're doing things the right way first off you don't write tv that way i know there are tv shows that don't know what they're doing meaning they have a general direction but they don't know how it's going to end yeah Number one, if I was the producer in that, on that TV series, I'd be like, you guys don't fucking start shooting until you know your fucking ending. 
So I don't care how you did business over on this show here on CB fucking S, but here at Fox, <laughs> this is how we do it. This is how we, how, this is how it's done now. I don't care if you didn't know your story at studio. I don't give a fuck at this studio or I'm in charge. You're going to know your story before we even shoot it. Period. Now, David, I posted this on my Facebook page after I read this. Yes. And I'm just going to read what I wrote. Okay. Okay. This is like the fifth time they publicly admitted that they did not know their ending until later. The previous showrunner stated in multiple interviews that it wasn't until midway through that he understood what he wanted the story to be. Midway Way. through. Seriously. Sounds like a bright bunch. Makes you wonder how a bunch of mooks can fake their way into getting hired to write television. The new showrunner said that the plot was overly complicated last season. Complicated. Complicated. And I write, dude, your story wasn't overly complicated. It was murky and incoherent due to not knowing what your story would be until it was far too late. Complicated would mean that <clears throat> complicated would mean that there was a path that you guys were taking. Well, no, David, to the end, that would mean complicated. The ending of the, the whole story of Picard season one is not complicated. How, how is it complicated? I, I believe I, I did this on a show several months ago. This is the story. How is this complicated? Data apparently has offspring. Offspring is now a target to be assassinated. Picard gets involved. Girl leaves her home to go find her home. Story's done. And story's done. How is that complicated? How is that complicated? That's that is, not complicated. That, is, that was my problem with the show. It was so fucking simple. Now, the stories within the story, the, the things that govern each episode were at times a little convoluted and heavy. But the overall plot of the series as a whole, season one, was so simple and anticlimactic. Yes. And that's what happens when you don't know your ending. So at least Akiva Goldsman, and this does make me feel better because I'm actually a fan of Akiva Goldsman. This guy is a television veteran. He is really good at what he does. And maybe this is his way of being diplomatic about season one because he probably knew there were problems. So when he says we know our ending early, he obviously realizes that what Michael Shabon did was not a good call. The fact that Michael Shaban didn't know what he wanted the story to be until midway through, that is... If I heard someone admit that and I was a studio head, I would fire that guy immediately. <laughs> and I'm not being a dick here. That's what you should do. So it seems like Akiva Goldsman is trying to take control here and fix the problems that plague season one. Because I don't subscribe to all that, you know, anti-progressive bullshit. There's a lot of people that were hating that are hating on this new era of Star Trek for, you know, political reasons. You know, because yeah. it, we're we're living in very divisive times. And I don't give a shit about that. I just want things written well. I don't care if you want to, you know, flex your 
social identity politic muscle all day long. I don't care if you want to express thoughts, you know, pertaining to our own culture through Star Trek. You should. That's what Star Trek's always done. Just make sure it makes sense within that world. And the story overall, and it should work just fine. I don't care. Just give us a well-written story. Yes. I don't care if you turn Picard into a puppy dog at the end. If it feels right and there is reason behind it, depth, then you can do anything. Yeah. As long as you're giving us the the pathway, the simple pathway to your ending. Yeah, don't make Seven of Nine Sarah Connor without proper justification. You know, don't make a Star Trek series that revolves around Picard and not include philosophy. Or not even make it about Picard because at the end of the day, the series wasn't even about Picard. No, it wasn't. It, it, it was about Data. That was it. Data's legacy. It's not Picard's legacy. So what was the whole point of actually calling it Picard? What's the whole point of actually bringing in Picard? Because that is the questions that when you start asking questions like that, then you start seeing how bad the writing was for season one. And I agree with you. I like hearing a cute Goldsman basically saying, this is what we learned. Okay, you get a cookie. You you get a cookie for realizing your mistake. But just like you, it it just boggles my mind that it these the these professional writers have to realize this about basic 101 of writing. I don't think these are professional writers, Dave. Some of them I've gone through their There are some really good writers on there, without a doubt. But a lot of them are not very experienced. They don't have a lot under their belt in the way of television. And that has been part of the problem. Luckily, Discovery has benefited from some really good talent, for the most part. And then with Michelle Paradise coming on, that show's managed to really just find itself in many ways it still has some work to do but overall that show feels just fine even though for the most part you have a lot of young fresh talent in that writing room so it comes down to leadership and knowing your story now a goldsman spoke on how some viewers have criticized picard in star trek discovery for being overly complicated which i do not understand that (laughs) argument I, i don't think it's overly complicated at all no uh, admitting that it's the responsibility of the writers to make the storyline and character development easy for the audience to understand now of course it's, it's a little more complicated than the 90s track because we're in different times we can't write simple stories and expect people to gravitate to them we're exactly. we're we're different as an audience we have a different type of appetite it didn't it wouldn't work well and you as a star trek fan may think you want that but if they were to give that to you it would feel very dated and mm-hmm. a, it just feel very dated yeah so goldman said after season one i started trying to excavate this picard idea but no i think where our storytelling is complicated If it is frustratingly so, it's just our own fault for not doing it well enough. 
So he takes the blame <laughs> in a in a roundabout way. Now, see, and this is this is why I feel a little bit better. It seems like he understands whether we see eye to eye on what the problem was with Picard. If you have the showrunner who took over for season two actually admitting some of these things, (laughs) that means he understands there was a problem. Yeah. And that makes me feel better because Michael Shaban is not involved in the day to day. We have Akiva Goldsman. No, he's a showrunner producer and that's it. Yeah, that's it. He's not involved in the day to day. The showrunner has the final say, which is Akiva Goldsman now. So knowing that. He is saying these things openly. Akiva Goldsman is a veteran talent of TV, big career, good career. And now he's expressing these thoughts so candidly. I do feel better about season two. He said, early on, we made the choice to be agnostic when it came to the audience's knowledge of Trek. We want to welcome somebody who knows Trek and make it even better because of the things we have, but we don't want to alienate those who don't. I can understand that. We had said that makes sense. I believe Shaban had mentioned that in an interview before season one, or might have been during the opening quarter of season one. You and I had discussed something he had mentioned about not wanting to directly mention certain things from Deep Space Nine pertaining to the Dominion War because he didn't want to confuse people who yeah. may not understand that. And I understand that 100%. That actually makes sense. Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation has been a TV show that connected with so many different people, and a lot of those people are normal people. I'm going to call them normies, people who may not be Star Trek fans like you and I, Dave, who watch every single TV show. They just watched Patrick Stewart as Picard. That's what they watched as a kid, but they never really invested time in Star Trek as a whole. So a lot of those people, I know a lot of those people and a lot of those people aren't Trek fans. They like next generation though. And we're all very excited for Picard when it was announced. So it was a good call to be a bit agnostic, but there's also some elements that you can't take those types of liberties. Yes. And I'm hoping, because that was another problem with with Picard. I feel like there were times where they're being a little too ambiguous with things. And they should have stated certain things. Yeah. And you can, if you're a talented writer, you can find ways to explain just a bit. Look what they did with Discovery Season 3 and the explanation behind the Kelvin timeline and the Prime timeline. Yeah. It took 15 seconds, David. That's all. 15. 15 seconds to explain your world if you want to introduce an element. So it just takes talent. There are ways around that. Yeah. So, all right, Dave. Well, this does bring us to the end of our discussion for today. Um, I don't feel like we ended on a bad note. I, no. I think this was a pretty good discussion today about Picard. Typically, we get a little angry, but angry, we, we yeah. kept our heads because I feel like Akiva Goldsman is speaking some truths. And he is. I mean, yes, he's not coming out and doing probably what all all of us who hate Picard season one want to do, which is just say that Michael Shaban didn't know what he was doing and he's here to fix everything. <laughs> it, it'd be so much easier if he, it, it, that, that would be what the fans want. But just like what you said, Mike, sometimes what we want as fans is not what we need. I'm the first one to admit, I'll admit that all the time, Dave. Sometimes you should not listen to the fans yeah. because sometimes we're too in our heads when it comes to these things. Yeah. 
All right, Dave. So this does bring us to the end. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, David. Thank you. Live long and prosper. I couldn't help but notice your pain. My pain? It runs deep. Share it with me. End simulation.